Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. Anger is a God-given emotion that each person must wrestle with. Anger can be even a part of the healing process, but it can also have devastating consequences when we do not deal with it correctly. You see, Jesus teaches us in today's passage what to do with all of our anger. As we continue our study of the Sermon on the Mount, we arrive today at the first of six traits a believer daily life. And the first and foremost, I don't think it's any accident that God uses Jesus' teachings to first deal with our anger. Because by living out these precepts that Jesus will be teaching us in the Sermon on the Mount, it will help our lives grow, help us grow, as we become more of what God wants us to be. As He fixes us so that we can help repair this broken world. You see, we are His hands, we are His feet, and we are His tools. And if we sit around and complain about how bad a condition our world is in, we ought to do something about it. You see, these six traits are taken from six Jewish laws that had lasted long before Jesus began teaching them. He did not come to change these laws, but He came to teach the Pharisees and to teach you and I that The law is true, but there is an intent behind it. And so Jesus is dealing with the attitudes behind the laws. And the first one we look at today is that of anger. And so what do you do with your anger? I think for me, when I think of anger, as many people that grew up in the comic book era, and the the superhero era, we think of the Incredible Hulk. Now, my generation thinks of the David Banner Hulk. He's there, and then all of a sudden he gets angry, and then he turns into the Hulk. Who remembers the catchphrase? Anybody? I'll help you start it. Don't make me angry. You won't like me when I'm angry. Very good. That was the catchphrase for that generation. And and you knew as soon as David Banner said that, Uh, The whole story of the Hulk in a nutshell, for those of you that are clueless, is supposedly David Banner is working with gamma radiation. He doses himself and it becomes his this superhero within him that when he gets angry, it turns into this Hulk. Now, for my generation, it was Lou Ferrigno. Now, for today's generation, it is a uh, a a CGI uh, computer generated model of the Hulk, which is based off of an actor called Mark Ruffalo. Now, his catchphrase is, anybody know that one? My secret is, just that you got it. His, his wasn't, don't make me angry, you won't let me when I'm angry. His thing was, my secret is, I'm always angry. And I know people like that. I know people that are always angry. How you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Great to see that everything is going good with you. But the truth of the matter is, is that it's ironic that these characters, their anger turns them into heroes. I mean, when I was a kid watching The Incredible Hulk, I'm like, when's he going to get angry? When's he going to get angry? When's he going to get angry? But now when I look at people, I'm like, please don't get angry. Please don't get angry. Please don't get angry. Because there's 
can be nasty when they're angry. I've never been angry a day in my life. So, okay, I can't lie in the pulpit. I'm sorry. Uh, I think we all have somewhere at some point. And it just depends on who does what and what happens. And that anger is going to come out. But it's ironic that, that people think that anger is your superhero. It's your superpower. Because other stories describe anger as the force that ruins people. That is their demise. It's why we have wars and rumors of wars. It is why we have the terrible things we have in our community and in our nation and our world is because of anger. How does anger show itself today? It shows itself on social media. It shows itself through hate speech. It shows it through bigotry. It shows it through Outburst, And it shows it through rash behavior. I, probably a great example of when anger got a hold of somebody too much is uh, if you follow sports and you saw this over this past week, uh, the Steelers were pay, playing the Browns and the Browns defender got mad at the quarterback, pulled him off the ground by his helmet, jerked the helmet off and hit him with it. That's having a bad and he's having a bad day, and he's going to have to deal with those consequences. You know those people that think, well, I'm just going to do what I think and, and say what I think, and if they don't like it, tough. Well, if he did that, that's fine, but he has to deal with the consequences. And if you're that person that says, I don't mind telling the truth because that's the truth, and I'm going to tell it. That's fine. You tell it, or you, you get angry, but you have to deal with the consequences. I've had said, things said to me in anger that hurt. And I unfortunately probably have said things to people in anger that have hurt them. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me is a lie. There are some things that I've heard that I'd rather you beat me over the head with a rock than have to tell me or show me. Anger can get the best of it. The one person in here that anger has never been an issue with you, please see me after church and let's get an appointment and disciple me and how you are never angry. Because anger is a God-given emotion. All of us have done things that we regret. And the consequences are not always short and sweet, are they? There are some family members that have not talked to other family members in ages because of something that was said in anger. Some are still dealing with anger issues today. And you may be one of them here. But as we transition, we see that dealing with anger is an important life skill for all of us to have. Because when a baby is angry, what do they do? They, they, thank you. If the baby is angry, they cry. If the baby is happy, they cry. If the baby needs to be changed, they cry. I mean, they cry, they cry, they cry. But then as they get older, they start learning. They get their temperaments. They learn how to game the system. They learn how to show their attitudes. And parents learn how to squelch that. As they grow up, that's all part of the parenting process. There is not a parent or grandparent in here or even someone that works with children that has not ever seen an angry child. You have to teach them how to deal with their anger. And then as we get older, we learn ways of expressing that anger. And unfortunately, there are times where we learn how to repress and hold in our anger as well. Christian counselors report that over 50% of people they stems from, their problems stem from anger issues. 
You see, anger, it destroys communication. If you are angry, it destroys your communication with God. It destroys your communication with your spouse and your family and your friends and your church members. That's what anger does when it is dealt with in the wrong way. And also, unfortunately, many tend to justify their anger instead of owning it. I've got a right to feel You get all your friends together? Yes, you do have a right to feel angry. You can have a right to feel angry, but it doesn't make it right. We've got to quit justifying our anger and start owning it. And Jesus knows the truth. That's why he starts by addressing it. Because anger is emotion that by itself is not a sin. Again, anger is an emotion that God has given you and me. Look at anger as a warning system. When something is not right, when you feel violated or you feel like the God, something, somebody is doing something against God's word or, or something that is immoral that really outrages you, that anger is there. It's kind of like your, your warning system, your smoke detector for something's not right. It alerts us to moments when others are attempting to violate our boundaries. Jesus demonstrated. Anger. He demonstrated a righteous anger when he went in and he cleared the temple from the money changers that had turned a place of worship into a Walmart. To where you wouldn't have to truly sacrifice. You could go buy something secondhand, take it, give it to the priest and claim that your sins are forgiven and go back home where you came from. And Jesus said, ain't having it, ain't doing it. And he cleared the whole temple because he was angry, not a personal anger towards those people, but he was angry that his place of worship, his father's house had been turned into a a merchant's den of thieves. He showed anger, a holy and righteous anger. I think of... And the prophet, when he goes to David and talks about the fact that somebody has been violated in his kingdom, and David gets so angry, saying that that person should be brought to justice, until he realizes that person that Nathan is talking about is David. But we see that that righteous anger there. So as we look at that, anger is not wrong when we are angry at the things that make God angry. Is when we are angry at the things that make God angry. But here's the thing. Just like everything else, what can the devil create? Nothing. The devil is not a creator. He is a twister. And he takes our anger that God has given us and he twists us. He twists us and he twists the anger into something that is sinful. So let's look at what, what Jesus is teaching about. The first thing we see is that anger leads to destruction. Anger leads to destruction. In verse 21, he says, You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. And so the, the Pharisees, by the way, at this point are like, ha, We're good. We ain't to kill anybody. We're good. We got this law beat. And then Jesus says in the next part, he says, but I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, some translations say a fool, 
you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. What we see here in this passage, that there is not a far stretch from anger to murder. It may seem like a stretch to you, and, and if, if someone said that they're angry, there's automatically a murder. That's not true. But remember, just a few years ago, or excuse me, verses ago, Jesus said he didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill it. And so what we see here is that God made the law, thou shalt not murder. And Jesus says we shouldn't become so angry that we want to murder somebody. Now, again, the Pharisees thought that they were very proud of themselves, but they they thought they would never kill somebody. But here's the thing about Jesus. He knows what's going to happen. And so when he's teaching this, he is foreshadowing what is about to happen. I don't know if you've ever caught this, but Jesus is telling the Pharisees, if you're angry enough, To kill somebody is just as bad. It is those Pharisees that became so angry with Jesus that they crucified him. Jesus' words came true to the Pharisees. They got so angry with him, they killed him. So there's a little bit of prophetic instances here. And if you call someone an idiot, he says you are in danger of being brought before the court. See, Jesus went so far to say is that if we were angry enough to kill somebody in our heart, we have already done it. Now, I've heard people say when we get to these passages in the Sermon on the Mount, well, if Jesus says you think a word, you might as well say it. Or if, Jesus, if you think about doing something, you've already done it, so you might as well do it anyway. No. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, guard your heart. Look at your heart. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Check your emotions before your body fulfills something that is unholy and not right. But as you will see throughout the Sermon on the Mount, the Bible as a whole, we must not miss the intent of the Scriptures. You see, the intent of God's authoritative and inerrant Word is where we find the applications for living a godly life. We also see that anger towards someone is not harmless. It is a the anger is in 22 verse 22 that type of anger the word used there is a type of anger that is nursed that is held that is fed that grows within you that type of anger the one that, that right now you're like move on James I don't want to hear any more about this and that little muscle in the back of your neck start to tense up but it's true some people don't know how to be happy without the anger that they're holding on to But the intent of God's authoritative word is for us to deal with that. And here we see that they were calling people fools. Now, the word they use there is raka, which means someone has an empty head. (laughs) I've known some people I thought had empty heads before. But that's the type of insult that they were giving. And look, when you insult somebody, you are attacking their character. You are attacking their value. It's so much easier to look and say, a homeless person and say, oh, that's a homeless person. Instead of saying, hey, that's Jay. I know him. Because one doesn't give value. The other one does give value. When we call people names and we get angry at people and, and diss them, we are taking value away from them. And also, anger towards somebody is not harmless. It's a sin. It says that anger that is kept and that is nursed leads to 
someone who has control issues, someone who has emotional issues, violence, even physical issues. Did you know holding on to anger can have a physical manifestation in your life? There is a Russian medical proverb that states feeling that feelings that have no vent in words may make other organs weep. In other words, if you don't get the anger out, if you don't vent that stuff, it will start to take its toll on your body. You see, anger is a stressor to the body. People that have anger issues, they can't let go of anger. They have elevated blood pressures. They have increased heart rates. They have tense muscles. They have heart attacks and more. Needless to say, someone who is angry all the time has a shorter life expectancy because they are putting too much stress on their body. And you and I are responsible for the anger that we have and its consequences. It says again in verse 22, but I say to you, even if you are even angry with somebody, you are subject to judgment. Folks, if you degrade someone in anger or defile them publicly, you will be responsible for those words. There are people being sued every day for defamation of character, for something that they have said or something that they have tweeted. Today's communication on all platforms is filled with such anger. People are losing everything because they said something in anger and then got called out for it. I tell you, anger can, can get the best of you, and sometimes it even hurts those that are closest to you. You see, there was an elderly couple that they were talking one evening. They went out to the porch, and they had one of those little loving moments. And so the husband said, Honey, I am so sorry that I let out my anger against you so often. How in the world do you manage to stay so calm, cool, and collected when I lose it like that? And his sweet wife responded, I always just go and clean the toilet when that happens. He thought, wait a minute. I get mad. I have an outburst that causes you to clean the toilet. I don't understand. And the, and the husband said, does that really help? She said, of course it does, honey, because I use your toothbrush to do it. <laughs> so, you never know. Don't let anger get Men, watch your toothbrushes. Alright? But all joking aside, sometimes when we're angry, it causes us to do things that we wouldn't be too proud of. Anger causes us to the value and the well-being we're angry against. We also see that you may have a right to be angry, but you are still going to be judged for it. That's what verse 22 says. We all have been through things where the world would say you have the right To your anger, and you may be right, but Jesus still says whether you feel like you have a right to your anger or not, you still will be judged for it. Look, anger is not a nice, sweet, cuddly teddy bear that you cuddle up with at night for security. Anger is a cancer that continues to eat away at your body, your soul, and your spiritual life. Anger turns us from Being builders to destroyers. Anger turns us from being lovers of people to enemies of people. Anger causes us to go from families to becoming fighting factions. That is what anger does. Causes people to take sides. But Jesus doesn't mix words here. 
He says, you will be judged and you are in danger of the fires of hell. <coughs> Woo! Boy, I was excited about teaching this today. But you know what? It's in there. And the truth of the matter is that when Jesus is saying you're in danger of the word of, of hell, he used a term called Gehenna. G-E-H-E-N-N-A, which is actually a valley there that had a lot of history in it. It was a deep ravine south of Jerusalem. And during the reigns of Ahaz and Manasseh, human sacrifices to the Ammonite god Molech were offered there. So this was a place of human sacrifice where there were corpses and death. And Josiah described the valley because of the pagan worship there. And it basically years later became the city dump for where people put all their burning trash. And it would burn and burn and burn. So Jesus is saying, look, if you don't get a hold of your anger, you will be judged and you will be in an eternal dump burn pit called hell. Look, living with anger leads to nowhere good. I'm just going to say it. Living with anger leads to nowhere good. The second thing we see in verses 23 and 24 is that anger seeks to separate our fellowship with God. There is nothing Satan wants more than to separate you from your power source. It says in verse 23, So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person and then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Jesus makes it clear here that our horizontal and vertical relationships must be right before the Lord. Now, if I could, I would raise that screen so you could see it. But imagine a cross. Imagine a cross. Imagine, let's start with the Ten Commandments. If you go back, I don't know if you noticed this. But the first five of the Ten Commandments deal with our relationship between God and ourselves. And the the second set of five deal with our relationships with other people. And when Jesus died on the cross, He died so that our relationship with God vertically would be right. That we would be forgiven of our sins. But He also died so that our relationship with others would be right as well. Remember the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. Anger seeks to bust that wide open. You can't pray for somebody and love somebody if you're angry with them. But I'll go ahead and tell you what. If you're angry with somebody, you know what the best way to to get over it is? Pray for them. Pray for them. It may not change them. But it will change your heart towards them. It says in verse 24, leave your sacrifice at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. God's saying, I don't want your empty religious actions if you are wrong with somebody else. Jesus made it clear that our horizontal and vertical relationships must be right before the Lord. We cannot be right with one another if we are not right with God. And we cannot be right with God if we're not right with one another. Now, I know what you're saying. What You don't understand, preacher. This person is so terrible. This, 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 look, the Bible says all you have to do is go and reach out. 
and offer forgiveness. Their response is up to them. But here's the thing. If you don't let go of this anger, you are letting them live in your life rent free. If you do not let go of this anger, they don't care. It's not affecting them. It's killing you. And you say, well, I can't go to that person. Well, don't start going to that person. Go to Jesus about it. Get him to change your heart. Let her go and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I do that every day with things. I'm like, God, this is a situation I'm, at, I'm in and I can't do it. You're going to have to do it if anything's going to happen. And I pray for the situation and I pray for those people and I pray for it. And usually it turns out good. And sometimes God's still working on it. But anger will How many Judge Judy shows and other judge shows do we have to watch to see the number of friends and family members who are angry at one another, broken leases, dog bites, and more? That's pretty much all they have on there. But as we see in verse 25 and 26, people would rather take people to court than to do the right thing. Their anger has got a price tag. Either they can get money from it or they're going to have to pay for it, for their anger. We see in Matthew 25, it says, When you are on the way to court and your adversary settles differences, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer who will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. Folks, when Jesus was teaching this lesson, being in debt carried a far greater penalty than it does now. Nowadays, you can claim bankruptcy and start over again. And then I think in 7 to 11 years, you can, you can have credit again. I think that's how it works. But back then, if you owed somebody money, you went to jail, Jack. You did not pass go. You did not get $200. You went to jail. And here's the thing. If you went to jail for owing somebody money... You didn't have a chance to work to pay him back because you're in jail. So it fell back to the family members. It fell back to the friends. And guess what, Jack? If you didn't have family to bail you out, and if you didn't have friends to bail you out, you were stuck there for the rest of your days. It's a little different nowadays, isn't it? But the thing is, is that Unless someone came to pay the debt of the prisoner, he or she would probably die there. Removing anger against our enemies will help us build a bridge to reconciliation. So as we look to the end today, the question is where we started. What do we do with all our anger? Jesus says, deal with it today. Matter of fact, do you see the progression of anger in this passage that Jesus is showing us? Anger starts with a person that nurses it and doesn't let it go. And it bleeds over into relationships with others where people are insulted and hurt and defamed. And ends up, you are at odds with one another and at odds with God and maybe even into the justice system. So that's the bad part of anger. But there's a good part of anger. And most of us in here at some point have had to work through this that are still working through this because anger is a part of the healing process. 
My friends, I'll go ahead and tell you as a I have been angry at God. There were moments that I was preaching to you and I was preaching to you what the word God's word said. But in the back of my mind, I was angry that he took my folks. And my prayer was, and I was, I was totally honest with y'all when I said, look, the reason we're going through John during those times is because I cannot preach right now. It was all God's word that did that. And you know what? Even though I was angry at God, he and I were still good. Because he's big enough for my anger. He's good enough for your anger. And basically God said, okay, eventually after I worked through it, he said, are you done? I've been here all along, James. It was just part of the healing process. Some of you are in that healing process. Some of you are still angry, maybe even angry at God. Maybe you're angry at somebody else. But folks, understand that anger that you feel is a human emotion. The trick is not letting the devil distort it. Because although anger can lead to all these bad things that we said, anger can also lead to forgiveness. But it starts with us owning the trauma that caused it. The period of anger and grief does not have a set time. It's not, hey, this part of grief is five weeks, this part of grief is five weeks, and then if you go further than that, then you're unhealthy. No, the, 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 the process is different for every person. It doesn't have a set time. However, it is resolved when someone comes to a place of acceptance of whatever it is, forgiveness of whoever needs it, and that is only possible. Only possible. I'm here to tell you today as a fact, not because I'm a preacher, but because I'm a believer. That is only possible through Jesus Christ. I have had to forgive people that in my heart I could not, but because of Jesus being in my heart, I could. And you can too. I'm not preaching this at you. I'm preaching as something that I have lived myself. And I know there's people out there preaching you just don't understand. I may not. But I know that God does. And I know that Jesus does. So why today? Why do we have to get rid of it today? It says in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Now, I've heard people say, my mama and daddy never went to bed angry at one another. And I want to say, you weren't behind the closed door when they went to bed. And I'd like to tell you that Don and I, in all of our years, have never gone to bed angry at one another. But I'd be lying. And you know what? When I get up the next morning, I feel worse than when I went to bed. And I think that that is a moment that has been wasted. There is truth in this, to not let the sun go down on our anger. Because, folks, sinful anger must be addressed and confessed as a sin to God. Because the longer we wait, the more stronger anger's shackles become. The longer we wait, the more it imprisons us. And too many people see anger as their friend when actually it is their foe. I'll close with this quote. Thomas Fuller said, He that cannot forgive others breaks the bridge over which he must pass himself. 
for every man has need to be forgiven. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. And I thank you that, that in the Sermon on the Mount, God, you don't mince words. Your son, Jesus, teaches us immediately what to do with our anger. And the Lord, our anger needs to be focused on a holy, righteous anger for the things that make you angry. But this personal and petty anger that we have, and some have, have every right to be angry at what has happened, Lord, but, but, but God, you... You, you could be angry too, but instead of being angry and wiping this out, you sent your son Jesus to die for us so that we could give you our anger through that sacrifice. And so, Lord, if there is just one person here today that would say, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord, and I want to know, I want to get rid of this anger, and I want to live for you, and I'm tired of carrying this around, then, Lord, they would not leave this place today day before they walk forward and we pray with them and teach them what it means to be a Christian. If they don't want to come by themselves, they can grab somebody's hand that will gladly come up because there is not one person in here that would begrudge anyone coming to know you today. Because this prompting of the Holy Spirit is not promised. If the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart, this may be a one-time deal. I can't understand salvation, but I know that it is only prompted by God Himself. Or maybe there's somebody here that is a believer, but has dealt with anger. And they just want to come to the altar and pray. Or they want to pray with me or pray with someone around them. May they do that. Maybe someone wants to join this church and be baptized. Whatever this time of decision is, Lord, may you help people deal with their anger in this moment.